Hi, welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Grace Glowicki, an actor and filmmaker you may have seen in The Oxbow Cure, Suck It Up, Paper Year, or the short films Her Friend Adam and We Forgot to Break Up. She co-stars with Sheila McCarthy and Katie Boland in Grayson Moore and Aidan Shipley's Cardinals, which opens this Friday, August 31st at the TIFF Bell Lightbox in Toronto, and she'll be back at TIFF in September for Roni's short film Glitter's Wild Women. She's also just completed her directorial debut, a feature film called Tito. Grace picked Love, Gaspar Noé's 2015 drama starring Carl Glussman as a guy named Murphy and Iomi Muyok and Kiara Kristen as Electra and Omi, the women with whom his life is forever entangled. Omi is the mother of his child, and Electra is the woman he lost because of Omi. And when Murphy hears Electra has gone missing one New Year's Day, he falls into a fugue of memories, many of which, well, most of which, revolve around the more carnal aspects of their relationship. Should I mention that this episode includes explicit discussions of sexual content? Because it does. This is someone else's movie. Okay. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, okay, so I think I chose love because I was... I have a best friend named Terry, and we went to McGill and studied film together there. And then we moved to Toronto to pursue film and became roommates. And we bought cameras together, and we started shooting comedy sketches together. And our common sense of humor was very much like we got off and got excited about pushing the boundaries of comedy. And we were getting into movies and making movies. And then... You know, when we were kind of, like, we felt like outsiders, kind of, so we wouldn't necessarily always be, like, going out to the club or anything like that. So one of our thrills was watching shock films together, and so I have this very positive association to Gaspar Noe because of Harry, Um, and just the fact, like, we were just so overtaken and excited by the fact that a film could make us squeam and squeal and close our eyes and it felt like a party watching Gaspar Noe's films, even when they ruined the night. Okay, it yeah. just felt like such effective cinema, and it just made us so excited about pushing the boundaries and what we could do. And we just, and it just feels like it's a part of our narrative as friends and as filmmakers that like shock cinema was just such an exciting mm. thing. So it was one of those key developmental road posts. Mm-hmm, for sure. Road signs. So, um, but love couldn't have been the first one. So we watched Irreversible first, okay. and I, I watched it with him, and another guy was there. And after the rape scene, I just remember being so affected by it, and I couldn't look at them. Like, just the fact that they were men, mm. and I had just seen this, and they're such sweet feminist men, but it was so... I felt so angry when I watched that scene that I couldn't even look at them, and I was like, it's not your fault, but I, can't, I just can't deal with you right now because you're connected in a very general way to, to this um, and, and that of course was just like angry association in my, in my brain, but it, well, it, I mean, no, I mean, it totally makes sense because the film is about the male gaze, right? Like mm-hmm. you're seeing a masculine version of that scene. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I would, I would, I would say that scene to me is neither masculine nor feminist. Mm-hmm. It's almost objective. Like he just subjects you to it. Like, like it just felt like he just made you watch the horror and didn't let you, didn't give you any relief. So it just 
felt like it felt objective like an objective just like assault of just dealing with the true horrors that would be in in that situation mm-hmm. oh yeah that scene ruined my night and then watching enter the void also just ruined my night but the fact that it ruined my night i was tantalized by yeah. it's like that's incredible that a movie has the power to ruin your night it's something <laughs> by yeah I, I found love to be one of those strange and confounding ones because by 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 collapsing it down to just a handful of moments in a ha- in two relationships it's mm-hmm. it's doing something different from his other work mm-hmm. and yeah so what was yeah well first of all where and how did you see it what was your experience of it i think i saw it at tiff mm-hmm. in 3d first okay yeah. and then i think i saw it again and then again and again i've seen this movie so much and it's it's just been a movie that i can watch again and again and again i watched it this morning watched it last night oh i editing with my editor for the feature it was one of the reference films for us cutting it was one of my reference films for writing my feature and it has nothing like it's has nothing to do with similar subject matter but i just i guess i'm kind of segueing to something else but um no, no, go right ahead but it's just like he's so i just find him technically so simple like love almost feels like a fable a relationship fable to me it's like a simple a simple storytelling in these long beautiful tableaus kind of or one shots mm-hmm. or whatever and they're beautifully lit i find his casting he casts charisma like they're just like can- candy very simple storytelling very accessible um but yeah so i think that's what drew me to continue to watch it again and again is it just feels like candy like they just feel like it, it's it's a candy movie yeah so it's not comfort food exactly but something that you find mm-hmm. comforting or just like I just find it like yummy. Okay. Like it's just like this is just good. This is just good. Like I wouldn't change a frame. Okay. <laughs> so the time jumping and the um, I mean that was the thing that really struck me with this one the way that um, that that Murphy the lead will be in mm-hmm. the same physical space. Yeah. And it'll snap to a previous moment or a previous year mm-hmm. without giving us any guidance. Mm-hmm. Just the way you know, like his his right profile is the only thing we have to focus on, and then mm-hmm. suddenly we're he's. He's physically in the same place in the frame, but we're in a new mm-hmm. location, and it's mm-hmm. up to us to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's I, I missed it theatrically. Sadly, mm-hmm. uh, it was just it's one of those things where a tiff, if anything, is over two hours, yeah. and I can't immediately schedule it. There's no way I can catch up to it because you just don't have the time to get to it and wait mm-hmm. for the screening to start, and then you know you lose three hours that way, mm-hmm. and it's possible to see two other things in that window which is inevitably what my editors will want me to do yes of course so i caught up to it on video and i have no idea what that would have been like in 3d but i think those shots would have been the most interesting things because you're suddenly yeah. like the space changes it was pretty cool and i think more than the 3d thing i always forget about love even though i guess it was like a sensational part of when it was released like mm. the fact that it was 3 3d and there was this like close-up money shot that like yeah, yeah. like jizzed all over the audience and it was this sensational thing but the what I remember most about watching it with an audience was just like especially that first scene like sitting in a room full of a hundred people watching this sex scene Mm -hmm. was like incredible just just to feel the tension in that room of how we're all in having an experience of this moment but terrified of each other like there's just an incredible tension yeah in that watching this movie with an audience that I just found like oof this is this is a punk film like it was just great. And then on top of that, the fact that the sex is sex that we can all have. It's not porn sex. It's not... 
like yes, there are these gorgeous actors, but like yeah, the, the actual sex is quite accessible and ordinary. Yeah, it, totally, totally, and we're and we're so scared of it, and there's no reason to be. And I just thought that watching it with all those people having those realizations was like worth that first two minute scene was like worth it for me. Yeah, it already yeah. won in it's my books. It's way longer than two minutes. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, it is because it's really it's flew by. <laughs> it's fascinating to watch any kind of undeniably real physical activity, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, sex is the one that is most uncomfortable and fascinating because mm-hmm. we become self-conscious in an audience. I've, I mean, I've seen... What was the one? There was something... Oh, um, uh, Bruno Dumont's first film, uh, La Vie de Jésus, um, has a purely mechanical organ specific pumping away copulation scene first Mm -hmm. there's some animal sexuality and then there are two people the lead and and his girlfriend are having sex in a field Uh, and there were maybe eight people in this cavernous theater the floor is huge Mm -hmm. and every single one of us was shifting uncomfortably at this same shot at this one shot of simply um, penis vagina pumping mm-hmm. like, that's all it was they were reduced to that there was no mm-hmm. there were no faces there were no arms or legs it was just midriffs and genitals mm-hmm. and all eight of us kind of went mm, at the wrong like at different moments but we were all reacting to that thing and I mm-hmm. think that was the lizard brain responding to something that is undeniably really happening in front of the camera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when it is when you start the movie like that, yeah, yeah. You're, it's confrontational. It's just like, this totally. is what it's going to be. And totally. everybody in this room is going to just watch until it's over. Yeah, and it felt like confrontational, but like with a mirror. Mm. It was like, check yourselves out. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, I I think people criticize this film and say that the, the acting and the characters are so unlikable and so so unrelatable but I find them incredibly relatable I know tons of guys like Murphy's especially 25 year old guys and 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 I know tons of people that have sex like that it's not as well lit but like <laughs> like there's something about that first scene in the, in the kind of sex in this movie that feels like for the first time I kind of felt like I was you know apart from the gorgeous French, French actors and the lighting I felt like I was for the first time watching myself mm-hmm. have sex and that to me was like incredibly political and I'm sure it's been done in other films but none that I had seen right. and and not in a venue like this and and that was really like it was so interesting that that is radical and that turns people off and that makes people angry and I just thought like wow it's so interesting to me that this could be polarizing to that anyone could get angry about this to me just felt very interesting mm-hmm. I was like and, and I think a lot of um I've heard that Gaspar Noe say and who knows if this is true but like a lot of women responded quite well to the film and a lot of men were very angry at it and I thought that was interesting too that that and with Irreversible as well. Like, there's just something interesting going on where even I heard him say that Irreversible was a, um, a rape revenge film. And that, to me, is so not the way people normally talk about that film. And so yeah. there's something about him that I find, like, maybe unravels, like, the male identity more than it unravels the female identity. And that, to me, is fascinating. I haven't articulated to myself why that is, but there's just something going on with him that, like, provokes some people and not other people, and why is that fascinates me. Yeah. I wonder if 
I mean, now he's done it again, as far as I can tell, with climax. He's mm-hmm. he's approached. He's taken Can't the same wait. visual approach. <laughs> yeah. Right, the God's eye view thing. Mm-hmm. And in love, you're confronted with these. You, yeah, you call them tableau, and that's exactly right. They're just these freezes mm-hmm. of of sexual activity from above. Mm-hmm. Full body in the widescreen frame. Mm-hmm. There's no objective. Yeah, there's no illusion. That yeah, there's anything else going on, and yeah. you're allowed to see that the the people involved in the scene are focused. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're this is what they're doing, and this is mm-hmm. all that their world is right now. And that that mm-hmm. that sort of way that you're trapped inside. Yeah, with them. I think it's like I, a fable. That's why I say fable because well, like there's no art direction around them at all. It's just like so simple, yeah. simple imagery. Yeah, it's bodies and maybe a sheet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of it. I think that makes us impose ourselves on them because they're basically blanks. Yeah, and that's yeah. I'm I am led to understand because I don't really I don't I I've never decided on a theory of pornography, but I I think that's what it is about. Um, you know, quote unquote, proper porn, where yeah. you're supposed to imagine yourself in this position of power or mm-hmm. this position of surrender, depending on who you who you mm-hmm. identify with in, in a given thing. Mm-hmm. But I've never. I, this is such a lame thing. I've never been able to enjoy uh, pornography just because I all I see are camera angles and lighting, and I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, this is unpleasant. Yeah. All, all I see is like all, all I and I know there's different kinds of porn sure. but the majority of porn I find is just about like dominating women and almost feels like the kernel of it is abusing women and it and it doesn't feel like there's any love and it doesn't feel like there like it just feels like hate fucking mm. is what it it's like you know and the, the whole phenomenon of the money shot feels so degrading and, and then the fact that that's like a thing that happens in most of them, like they, that that's the cherry on top of most of them, just feels like like the fact that our society consumes more sexual images like that than they do like Gaspar Noe's love to me is like such a disservice because watching love, it inspires you to have sensual sex. Watching porn inspires you to have hateful sex most of the time. Like, of course, there's different kinds of porn, so I'm generalizing, but yeah, like it just felt like... And then the fact that this movie could unravel people while porn exists... And I'm sure they have no problem with consuming porn. Just feels so hypocritical yeah. and so like, ooh, strange. That's, like that's the shout down, right? And you can just say, "Oh, this isn't art. This is pornography." I don't yeah. want. I don't. I don't care to identify it as mm-hmm. narrative or storytelling mm-hmm. or, or emotional uh, investment. It's just bodies, which it is. But yeah. we're also given enough um, insight, I suppose, into at least Murphy, if not the other two, if not the two women in his lives, we're certainly in Murphy's head. Like, we're literally in there with him totally. the whole movie. And he's given enough complexity, he's given enough, he's given enough rope, because he's not a great person, mm-hmm. but he just... He's not a terrible person Yeah, either. he's in his 20s, and he doesn't know who he is, and he's not mm-hmm. very good at anything, mm-hmm. and he's terrible Selfish relationships. and yeah. less horny, and... Yeah. But he also, within ten minutes, we're we're aware that he cares about this family that he's built for himself, even if mm-hmm. it's accidental. Mm-hmm. And his child, Gaspar, which come on, dude. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That the kid is named Gaspar. The art dealer is named Noé. I Just love can't it. Can't get away from it. That's like, like in the in watching it with the theater. Like when he said, they're like, "What should we name it, Gaspar?" The whole theater erupts. <laughs> like it. Like we're all having the best time, and like 
and that's what I love about him too is he's, he references himself there's movie posters all over of all yeah, the films yeah. he loves there's the love hotel in the bedroom like he's so not afraid to say like this came from my brain like like I made this piece of art it's about me and different iterations of me and different kernels of my experience and he's got like great 70s music great lighting like sexy people charismatic people wonderful clothes it's just like like it's such a stylish film like it's so stylish so enjoyable he's just like he's a great filmmaker like he's got great craft and it's fun like I think that's that's when people go wrong with Gaspar no they no way with this film at least is like they take him too seriously and say like other people have done it far better and far more intelligently but I'm like I don't think that's what he like he's a he's kind of punk and kind of rock and roll and like it's fun candy yeah it's fun it's a fun film it's it's weird for me to see him embraced on that level because I, some part of me always wants to write him off as a poser he's not he's clearly not he's yeah. you know he's been working at this long enough I always feel like mm-hmm. I figure I should apologize for my opinion of him first yes uh, because he's been doing this for 20 odd years now and mm-hmm. there's no question he know he's doing exactly what he wants to do and he yeah. has collaborators who trust him and respect him mm-hmm. enough and has been validated by can't yes yeah no he's he's doing his thing mm-hmm. and I now I'm trying to sort of reinterrogate myself and figure out why I think his thing is less valid. Yes, because I, I was still, aware of this in you that you yeah, that you're I was not, not a fan, a fan of Enter the Void like, at all. I just yeah. found it so. It's one of those movies where every ten minutes I was just like, "Yes, okay, okay, okay." Mm-hmm. I, I know why am I still here. I get mm-hmm. what you're doing, mm-hmm. and love doesn't hit me that way. Mm-hmm. Love is love is actually. I still don't. I don't know if it's as deep as he thinks it is, mm-hmm. but there's stuff in there to engage with, and there's mm-hmm. stuff going on uh, above and beyond the provo- the provocation mm-hmm. that he establishes at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to review Love at TIFF, so I went back after I saw it and read a bunch of reviews, and then I caught up with them again just the other day. And um, somebody, I was really surprised. Someone talked about the opening sex scene. Uh, not paying off, mm-hmm. and that it wasn't. There, there's no completion, which there is. Yes, and quite literally. <laughs> yeah, and and I just thought, how do you miss that? Like, if you're that disconnected, ten minutes in or four or whatever, how do you you look down and miss it? I mean, mm-hmm. what's going on? And are you late to the theater? No, he's describing the whole scene. He was clearly there from the beginning. It was just, it was just weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out if that's a similar thing that I've done with his films, where I've just not. I've been there. I watched the whole mm-hmm. thing, but am I checked out? I wonder if it's like um, you say, like, um, um, like I get what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and is that your need to to have control in the experience? Possibly, and perhaps like not letting him take take you on his ride and, and enjoy it. Mm. Though you know they're not for everyone. Like that film ruined my night. Like I was like mad at him when I left. Right. But because it made me mad at him, I couldn't help but give him the credit of, like, you made a good film because it affected me. Mm-hmm. And, like, you had me. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, like, I wonder, like, did it sh- did it make you, like, did you get uncomfortable? Like, yeah. did is it, being, was it effective? Is like, being angry a form of, a legit, like, is that a legitimate reaction? Or to, like, or being being responding to the film in a different way, in an unexpected way? Or, like, like when, like, okay, because, like, that movie I found it to be so, like, Oh, like depressing, and like I, it was like it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, did you find it hard to watch, or were you not affected by? Yeah, I, 
I found it exhausting. I found mm-hmm. it exasperating and exhausting. I, it's about, I don't know, after about 40 minutes, I think I had, it just felt like I had seen everything that was going, I, or rather that he wasn't going to come up with anything that I wasn't expecting, that yes. he's established it, he's laid it out, and now we just have to watch the premise fulfill itself for another yes. 110 minutes, because it was long. Yes. And I admire some of the, I mean, visually it's very impressive in the, the, the effects he uses to pull off the single take, the floating thing. Mm. It's all perfectly valid, but he's not showing me anything about life that I don't already know, and he's not showing me anything about spirituality um, mm. that is interesting to me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I just felt like a hostage. Mm. Um, and whereas, I guess that it's like a, that's why I think what I like appreciate about them is like they're almost horror films mm-hmm. where it's like you are a hostage and that's the fun it's because it's even like to bring it back to sex like and that's how some people have fun when they're submissive in sex and it's almost like that's how i feel when i watch his movies i'm like you're i'm your hostage <laughs> you're gonna assault me now with your imagery but the fact that he can do that effectively and it does assault me there's just there's just something that's like a, it's just effective cinema. That it's, yeah. and it, and then you can have because it's just a movie, it becomes fun. Yeah, it's funny. Mentioning horror films really tweaked me to something. That's how I, it's it's how I feel about the Saw movies and the Insidious movies mm-hmm. now. The films that move very slowly but very mechanically through a series of requirements, mm-hmm. where we've reached a point now where horror mm-hmm. films are very very slow and it's just a matter of like false scare false scare real scare false scare false scare yeah. real scare and, and I you know what's those. coming yeah nothing's gonna surprise you yeah. no people, philosophy right people are walking or, or phony philosophy like in mm-hmm. Saw where you know I want to talk about the self no you don't you just want yeah. somebody to pull their eye out that's, that's why we're here yeah. and those things have lost any thrill that they used to have for me mm-hmm. and that a decade ago because now it's all about how long you can make the audience sit still and mm. wait for the thing. People, the, the, the scripts now require characters to walk into rooms and wait to be scared. Yeah. Know, stand in the dark with a flashlight and maybe a cat will come out, but then the ghost. And I just, I just don't care about mm-hmm. that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe that's my response to Enter the Void as well, is that once you tell me what's going to happen and you simply let it happen, I don't, yeah. I don't need to be there. Like The movie doesn't yeah. need me. Yes. Which I can respect, but yeah, I just it burned me out so quickly that I had no interest in it. When when love at least starts playing with time and and makes me engage actively in who these people are and figuring out why it's important that this person is out is out of the picture and this person is here now, that's like I'm immediately invested at least on that level, and mm-hmm. that's great. You mm-hmm. you know you're engaging my brain and as well as all the other things that it's pulling on emotionally and and um, and intellectually. I'm trying to solve the puzzle while all these things are happening, and I like that. I mm-hmm. just that's that's my thing. That's what I respond to. Mm-hmm. You're um, an active participant. I, I like you know I like knowing that the movie in front of me has thought about it as at least as much as I'm going to think about it. I I mm-hmm. really appreciate that exchange, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be horror, and it doesn't have to be uh, extreme anything. I, I mean, I just I saw. Uh, I think I can talk. Yes, this this will it'll be out by the time we this episode drops i saw little italy which is contemptible in its construction it just mm. it really it is the lowest common denominator version least effort of anything uh it is basically how can i make a movie that will make a lot of money and make mm. people feel like they've seen another my big fat greek wedding just mm. the, this ethnic 
um, uh, stereotypes. It's not yeah. racist, except it kind of is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's contemptible and contemptuous. And an hour in when someone makes a bad joke about a Godfather line, I was just like, oh, why am I even here? Yes. yes. That's my excuse to get up and leave. But yes. I came back because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, it's 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 a larger trend, right, of, of movies that take the easy route because, on some level, they're they're pandering to an audience that they imagine doesn't want to be challenged. Mm. And I don't know how this gets back to Gaspar Noé because he is not interested in that at all. He's clearly out to challenge his audience mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. But the laziness of Little Italy and the Insidious movies and the Saw films is something that I felt in Enter the Void simply because yes. it's presenting you with what it's going to... It tells you what it's going to do, and then it does it, and it doesn't really matter yes. if you're there or not. So, and, and I will say, yeah. I have no desire to watch Enter the Void again. Yes, it effectively ruined my night. It was effective on me, but I I was contemplating rewatching it for this And I've just chat. talked you out of it. Yes. Well, I talked myself out of it because I, I checked in, and I... And I have no real desire to see that film again because it was so br- it was brutal for mm-hmm. me to watch that. I didn't enjoy watching the abortion scene. Like it was so effective. I don't want to subject myself to that again. Yeah, and that's you know for me that was the moment where it's just like oh I see. So you're just going mm-hmm. to keep you know it's 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 that performance artist no one likes where he just shows yeah. up and yells at you and if you <sighs> yell but back I'm gonna at go him to and every, I'm going to go to the show every time yeah. though like the fact that he no one likes. The fact that it's so polarizing and so controversial, it's like, oh, I have to see all of them. Like, I have to go, like, I sat through Nymphomaniac 1 and 2, yep, back right. to back. Like, I have to see all these films, even if they end up assaulting me or or whatever. It's just like, these are shock cinema. It's just so cool. Yeah. It's just so cool. Like, how bad can you be? Yeah, Von Trier is another one. fun. Right? Like, um, I'm curious what you think of Nymphomaniac, because I know I, you like Lars Von Trier. I, I'm kind of... It's funny. I like like every other Lars von Trier. Uh, I had this. Yeah. We we did an episode on uh, Dancer in the Dark with Sofia Badanowitz, and mm-hmm. before all of the revelations were confirmed, right, that that Bjork had of course had a horrible time because Lars von Trier was torturing her. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, no. Ugh. And I didn't like it anyway. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm much more of a fan of Breaking the Waves, mm-hmm. as far as those go. But I also assume that he tortured Emily Watson because sounds like that's what he does. Uh, there's something so nihilistic about like he's making films and he's already dead like there's, <laughs> there's Gaspar Noe is like alive and full of life for me and Lars von Trier seems to be making films from a place of like already like nihilism and he's like already he feels like a corpse making films like I find his films so much more depressing than anything Gaspar Noe makes because there's such a I find such life in, in yeah. his films even if they are repulsive or, or whatever I can understand that I mean you know though I love melancholy Melancholy is pretty great. Yeah. Like, Melancholy is a film about depression. I forgot we did that one too. Brendan Canning did that one. Mm. And uh, watching it again the week before, I was just like, wow, yeah, okay. This is, I remember really loving this, and mm. now I'm totally connecting with why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's great. Lars Antrier is great. He can be, but he's also the guy who made Nymphomaniac and Antichrist. Antichrist, especially, which just like, it's exactly as glossy and gorgeous as Melancholia. It's just hateful and awful and ugly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the nihilism is an excellent way to put it. He he really just he and and every two out of every three Michael Haneke's I feel like I mm-hmm. sh- like he's mad that I showed up. That mm-hmm. he's angry that there's an audience at all mm-hmm. because he just wants to go off and yeah. you know throw rocks at squirrels and now he has to make a movie and go and talk about it instead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Noé, I mean, there, there is this whole cinema of provocation, obviously, that goes back well before any of these men were making it, or, or women, there got to be a couple. Uh, the only one I can think of is that movie Raw. Did you oh, see that yeah, film yeah. Raw? I actually just brought the Blu-ray back from uh, the UK. It's great, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I want to see more women making these shock films. There's a couple. Uh, I was about to say Corley Fargat, or Fargit, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing mm-hmm. it, made uh, Revenge. Which was a TIFF it. last year, and, okay. and I think it's on Shutter now, or it will be soon. Cool, yeah. cool. I have to check it out. Yeah, um, it's a reductive rape revenge movie in that it really only has, you know, four people, four characters, three men and one woman in this desert with minimal resources, and bad things happen constantly. Mm-hmm. And at no point is it because someone does something. Well, I mean, there's some, there's one stupid decision, but other than that, it's all really unpleasantly convincing you can mm-hmm. believe that all of these things are happening but then the the revenge aspect of it is just played up as operatic mm-hmm. like by the end of it it's just characters slipping around in their own blood fighting each other yeah <laughs> yeah this is what we, this yeah. is what this genre needs to be yeah and i gotta see that i gotta yeah. see all of them <laughs> there's something about them there's a lot of bad ones though yeah. uh that's the problem i'm right? sure and and no way has has been working in his little corner where he can make Unenter the Void, which mm-hmm. I just still have no time for. Like, just the more mm-hmm. I think about it, the more the angrier I'm getting that it's the same guy who made Love. Yeah. But then Love comes along and it's like, I, it's harder to shake. I can't, I couldn't dismiss it. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. But it's grappling with something, yeah, as you said, it's him. Like, there's something mm-hmm. real and personal here that just mm-hmm. can't be ignored. And it's, and I find it's, it's relatable too, because it's like, it's like, like the in the fa- it's like back to like the fable aspect of it. Like, the the it's been criticized for being like a really like simple dumb script and like the dialogue being dumb and simple. But it's it's something a simplistic storytelling in a really like I've had like this kind of relationship hasn't taught hasn't happened to me specifically, but mm-hmm. like generically yes where like you're in a relationship with someone you become infatuated and then someone gets jealous of someone and then someone starts seeing someone else and someone tries to get someone back and then someone they break up find someone new and then you lament the lost passion that you had like there's something that's so like universal about the storytelling Mm -hmm. that feels so smart and so accessible so it's about him but it also is like a universal love story too and and especially amongst my friends, like there's, it, there's just yeah something about it feels so relatable. Yeah, even I think, though it's his yeah. world. Well, I think that's it, right? When you're that young, uh, I think this is why movies about teenagers are never out of vogue mm-hmm. uh, because physically you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's the best. You're watchable, you're smooth, yeah, online, <laughs> visually striking. You're always gonna like an eighteen, nineteen year old face is just. Yeah. Unlined hasn't lived yet. You can imprint yourself on it, on mm-hmm. anything, male or female. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 way that everyone feels at that point in time, when you just everything is the most important thing that's ever happened, and the worst pain you've ever suffered, and the greatest joy. Mm-hmm. And Murphy, he's twenty five, right? But he's 25. not that old. He's not that mm-hmm. mature. He's mm-hmm. probably much more like he's impulsively moved to Paris with mm-hmm. this girl he had sex with once, as far yep. as I can tell from that flashback. Yeah. And he's unformed. 
his like just the way he talks about how he wants to make a oh yeah philosophy yeah he's he's you know he's that film student he's that kid who is bursting with ideas that he doesn't know other people have already had yeah um super relatable yeah yeah we've all been that dumb Mm-hmm. And and, the, and dated guys that dumb too. <laughs> quite possibly. Uh, I was lucky enough to miss that. Yeah. That window. I was probably that guy, but <laughs> I was I was lucky enough to miss that window. Um, but but you're seeing someone who is learning like he's tasting regret for the first time and mm-hmm. can't he doesn't know what to do like he can't function he's he's obsessed with this woman who's vanished from his life long before she actually vanished mm-hmm. and I think. You know, I think the end of the film where I'll love you until the end and then the words mm-hmm. the end immediately burst onto yeah. the screen. That's so fun. It's funny, it is, but that's also him twisting the knife that, you know, like, it's a part of his history now. He can't get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what if, you know, what if that is true? What if he really will love her until the end and that has destroyed the 70 or 80 years he has left ahead of him? Because mm-hmm. that's the one thing. Well, the, the only count, counter thing that comes to my brain for that is that, remember the part with, I don't know if her name is Lucille, but, like, there's the ex-girlfriend that there's just a few flashbacks oh, right. to yes. her, and he says to her, I'll love you forever, like, I'll love you till the end. So he, there, there's a doubling of that, of that, the final shot. So I feel like it's um, alluding to, like, a cycle he's going to go through forever. Right. Like he's gonna fall in love and say that like this is this is it. I'm gonna love you till the day I die, and then it's gonna get destroyed, and then he's gonna fall in love with someone else and do the exact same thing. Yeah, which I assume we all do anyway. Mm-hmm. So relatable, but awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He, well, no, certainly if he's doomed to do, you know doomed to destroy his family, doomed to you know, ruin his kid's life mm-hmm. in much the same way he's ruined everyone else's. Mm-hmm. He's a sort of a wrecking ball, but he believes he has integrity, so that makes it worse. Yeah, that's that's what makes me not like him. Mm-hmm. Is that he doesn't seem to be self-aware about. Well, he's a guy. That he's twenty-five years old and he's a film student. Of course, he's not self-aware. Yeah, he wants everything, but doesn't know how to maintain it. Yeah, and doesn't know how to work for it either. Like mm-hmm. He just things just fall into his lap. He he, yeah. he doesn't mean to start a family. He doesn't mean to leave. Only he just keeps doing. He just keeps chasing whatever it is he desires and mm-hmm. ends up in new situations which he then makes the best of while also sulking about it mm-hmm. um, yeah and that was something too that I'd forgotten just how early on we are reminded or confronted with the fact that he really doesn't like his partner that he is miserable yeah, yeah. which is so funny like that and the whole audience erupted at that point too and he's like in the beginning, this beautiful, like, French model's in his bed. She's gorgeous. They have this beautiful baby, a gorgeous apartment. And he's like, I feel like I'm in a prison. Yeah. I hate this bitch. And, just, and everyone was laughing because everyone's like, I'd take that. Like, you're in heaven. Like, you, like, there's nothing to hate here. But for him, because he's in his own, he wants more or other things. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It plays very differently without a crowd. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh. I don't like you. Yeah. I have to watch you for another two and a quarter yeah. <laughs> Um But the the contrast between his unpleasantness and his vulnerability in the sex scenes, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that I found really striking the second time through. Mm-hmm. The um, Just the sequence, well, I mean, the, the sequence with the, uh, the trans uh, yeah. date, I guess I'd say. I don't yeah. really know how to describe that. A love scene that goes horribly wrong. Yeah. And is 
not transgressive. Like it's not offensive. It's not for for no way. It's surprisingly well handled. Yeah. Uh, and that Murphy is the weak one in that relationship where he's sort of laughing and excusing himself because he literally doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Sort of moving his arms in that weird flappy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Everyone really was laughing me. at that scene too. Well, good. Yeah. Because yeah. that's interesting. Like that's something that I wasn't expecting from Noe because every other time um, sexuality has, has reared up unexpectedly in his film, somebody mm-hmm. dies. Mm-hmm. Someone's punished. Mm-hmm. And this didn't do that. And mm-hmm. that, I think maybe that's that's what allows me to like love yeah Un, uh, nothing bad ever happens like like that like even with Electra's fate which we like assume she's turned into this junkie and has maybe OD'd and died or something like that that was part of why I loved the movie so much when I first watched it was because I had watched Irreversible and Love and was just like he just brutalized me both times and so I was going into love being like okay don't get too relaxed because it's gonna get bad like Shit's gonna get yeah. intense, and then it never yeah. happened. Like yeah, I was, I never had it. to look away, which was great. You know? Yeah. It was hopeful somehow. I was like, oh, he's full of life and love. Yeah. How did he do that? Yeah. I don't know how he can be an optimist. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like uh, Climax is a, is a terribly optimistic film from what I've heard of it. Mm. Uh, although apparently there's some really fantastic choreography in it. it looks great. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm curious. I just. That's the other problem with this with this sort of career. It's like, what do you do for an encore? How do you mm. top? Do you even try mm. uh, to top the last one or build on it, or do you just do what he does in love, which is incorporate all of those previous ones and just sort of reference them? I mean, that that hallway or that tunnel is definitely the same one as you ever see, right? Or at least it's lit the same way. Mm-hmm. But I'd be surprised. Yeah, but in that scene, I'm pretty sure all of us are supposed to be incredibly tense and wait for the intrusion of other people but it never happens Mm -hmm. and is that a signal to you know relax i've got this i'm doing something different or is it just him going haha i made you you know i made you squirm Mm -hmm. i don't know i wonder if it was because he wanted to like put the like put the focus on like you're gonna find this shocking because you can't handle the human body having sex like i wonder if that was the point of why he kept it he didn't ever let us see something gruesome in the film because he wanted to expose the hypocrisy of our relationship to sexuality Mm. and like that like which is so like i i think he was effective in doing that which is always like i think a good thing to do yeah it's in our society (laughs) yeah it's an interesting point to raise too in in the middle of a movie that's Mm. already had so much just explicit graphic sex in it already to sort of say oh actually you're now starting to worry about what might happen as opposed to what is happening and that detaches you a little bit or detaches the experience of watching it. Uh, it comes back to what you were saying about people responding to the opening scene or all being forced to respond to each other responding to it. The The thing about vulnerability in emotional material is so much easier. You know, we people don't have problems crying along with, you know, uh, what's a good example? Stepmom or Mama mm-hmm. Mia or one of those things where it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's a it's a purgative. You're design. It's designed to make you burst into tears mm-hmm. and, and have a good cry. But to actually be uh, caught up in something else, in something that's not a simple emotional response, something as mm-hmm. complex as arousal mm-hmm. or responding to um, just anything that is utterly banal. 
Mm-hmm. Is that it? Are we not supposed to think about what the other people in the room are experiencing? Or is is because you know the thing that I, I can't articulate this properly. The thing that fascinates me on its most basic level about cinema itself is that six hundred people will be in one room, all seeing and hearing exactly the same thing. Yeah. And every single one of us has a different experience. Yes. Yeah. And when you add something as as base as sexuality to it, it brings in all sorts of bizarre side judgments and you start double thinking and triple thinking and, and checking your own response and wondering if the sound of somebody shifting means they're trying to hide their arousal or mm-hmm. if they're just bored. And it it is literally pulling you out of yourself over and over and over again to have that experience with people. Mm-hmm. And Noé only wants to do that. Like, mm-hmm. that's all he wants to do is mm-hmm. make you question your response. Mm-hmm. And the response of the 599 people around you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. So, I, I kind of want to watch Love in a Theater now with people to find out yeah. if it plays differently for me. It's interesting. That made me think of in an interview I was listening to, he said, like, he's like, like our genitals are as natural as our hands and mm-hmm. our legs, but we don't treat them as such. And, like, that just that is like that's something to munch on like that's something to make a movie about yeah and to subject an audience to to and then that becomes like an engaging cinematic experience where you are engaging with it in an active way like yeah maybe more so than irreversible and enter the void what's cool about love is like you're not just assaulted you're you're you do you are kind of forced to engage with your own associations of sex and and of yeah yeah so like that it's just yeah it's great it's a great movie and i find like girls like lena dunham in girls i wonder if that's why she's so polarizing too because she brings genitals and boobs and the human body in a sexualized and non-sexualized way into that show and it tears people up they get so angry mm-hmm. and and people hate her and it's like, wow, like that just blows my mind that that can provoke people, that that can be shock, shocking. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, when it's just our bodies and a natural act where we all came from, like it's just, we're so weird about sex. Yeah. It's, oh, it's uh, Sarah Polly in, in Take This Waltz has a scene at a public pool where there's a lot followed by a locker room scene where there's just casual female nudity, full frontal and backal and bofal and sidal and everything mm-hmm. else, just people wandering around. And I saw that with an audience of film critics, and it was all of us just going, huh, mm-hmm. just just taking it in. And I think it, because the film is so aggressively sexual, otherwise that to have this being non-sexual nudity and just so completely deliberate in its staging mm-hmm. made it okay to simply survey it, even though you were watching, you know, two major actors who I've seen in dozens of movies doing full frontal nudity mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a big thing and you know inevitably on press junkets it's always about well what about this you know what about this scene and Sarah Silverman was talking about it on a podcast on I think it was on an episode of Doug Loves Movies and she said that everybody was just concerned about the lighting it was just about how to make sure you could be naked in this shot and it became mechanical and clinical and no way is doing that with sex as opposed mm-hmm. to activity mm-hmm. and that makes it oh that you know that changes everything because you're watching vulnerability and intimacy you're scrutinizing it because it's there to be scrutinized like that's what he wants he wants you to it's, well, yeah what you were saying at the very beginning of the conversation about thinking about your own performance and your own relationship to 
the mechanics of the act that you're seeing because it is some of its missionary, some of its side by sides, and it's all very simple mm-hmm. and, and nothing's crazy. Functional, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing's crazy. Yeah, which is like was another choice on on his part, I imagine, where it's like very accessible, like nothing's shocking. Yeah, but we're shocked a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. it's, it's so well lit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, the I mean the. It took me... I'm trying to remember how long it took me to figure out that there were three faces in the poster. Yeah. Because it's kind of weird and off-putting until you actually space it out in your head and realize, oh, no, there's another tongue. It's not like a knot or some kind of weird elaborate thing. Because your first thought is, oh, it's some provocation. It's it's the bad boy of French cinema. But no, it's just three people. And is that shocking? I guess not. And then Mm -hmm. the threesome scene, which is actually probably the most com- I mean obviously it's the most complex they're just yeah. you have to keep track of body parts but yeah. it's really positive mm-hmm. uh, very consensual everyone's every, yeah. having a good time there's a lot of hand movements yeah. <laughs> like everybody's being supportive yeah it's really weird that that, that yeah. becomes non exploitative because mm-hmm. uh, you know narrative cinema has told us that when a couple is threatened and ultimately yes it does break them up but in the moment, it's it's just one more long sequence. The music's different, which I noticed. It's a little more electric guitar-y and, and yeah. modern because, you know, I guess going from classical two-person relationship to, to three. But it was really striking to watch the whole thing and go, oh, yeah, that's... They're all getting something out. Like, nobody's, mm-hmm. being, nobody's being taken advantage of. And, and mm-hmm. this this childish fantasy, the way it's pre- presented, you mm-hmm. know, show, tell me your darkest desire. Well, yes. another woman with you. That's yes. what I want. Oh, my God. Everyone erupted at that yeah. point, too. Go figure. And the music swells, like, yeah. and she's like, sex with another woman. <laughs> and then it's music swells. Everyone laughs. Yeah. The only part, actually, watching it that, that was, that, that I questioned in the whole film mm-hmm. is just... That girl was sixteen. Was was sixteen oh, right. in yeah. in when they ask her how old she is, and she says seventeen. No, sixteen. And he's like, I love Europe. That's the only part that I found like, well, that's not good. Yeah. Like that's not good. And then I sort of countered it by saying, well, I'm sure that that happens and is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's the rational decision only... we all make in the moment. Yeah. To sort of justify why we're enjoying something. Yeah. And it's which is tricky. Yeah, it's a weird place. But honestly, with Noé, if that's the worst thing that comes out of one of his oh, movies, I'm pretty yeah, cool it's a with success. It. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's not good for me to think that. But that's yeah. where he, that's the, that was my apprehension, I guess. And then, of course, if she says she's that young, something's going to go terribly wrong. Mm. But yeah, and it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah, and yeah, it's all about. I think the, you know, oh, I hate this idea, but if there's a sequel. If he does pick up these characters again, because I think that's always a possibility with his work. Mm-hmm. Just the way he, I mean, you know, the way the Love Hotel shows up in here, there's always the chance of an echo Yes. in a later film. I'm kind of curious to see where they've ended up as a couple, because I don't think Murphy has it in him. To stay. To stay. Well, yeah. to be a decent person. And he'll find another excuse, he'll find another way through. Yeah. But I kind of want to see if I, I'm wrong. I think, like, like I, well, and I think he, Gaspar Noe, kind of gets off on like telling you how it's gonna end because even like when they introduce murphy and then the text i love his use of text when mm. the text flashes on the screen says murphy's law anything that can't go wrong will go wrong so yeah. it's like okay murphy we get you from beginning to end like you're gonna fuck everything up and that's who you are that's what you are and so i think he probably 
yeah. just continue to be a fuck up. Yeah. And again, this is this was the thing that I didn't like about Enter the Void. It's a statement of intent, and you know, mm-hmm. this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. But here, there's enough. There are enough curveballs, and there's enough humanity to just keep me engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's gonna he'll screw things up. Yeah, <laughs> it's his deal. I think so. Yeah, or he'll screw things up, make a movie about it, and this is the movie that he made, which is you yeah. know the other big film student loop. Yeah, it's like I th- you only understand yourself, so you have to make that movie. Totally, and I wonder if it's like if this is like a part like Gaspar Noé as a young man, and he's since grown and learned and changed, but like this is sort of a personification of like him being young and naive and dumb and yeah into drugs well certainly if murphy is the young idiot version who just wants to you know want to make movies about blood and semen and and life he's still doing that yeah and then you have noe himself showing up as an art dealer who is presumably more refined and just Mm -hmm. a better judge just by definition of what it is that is artistic and real Mm -hmm. this is maybe the midpoint and Mm -hmm. that's how he sees himself now and how he sees himself or how he saw himself before. Mm-hmm. It's no longer valid, but he's still making the movie about the guy who's no longer valid, so mm-hmm. where evolutionarily are we here? Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. It's, it's very just, confusing. This is one of the things that fascinates me about him. I never really know if he's doing this consciously or if it's just happening, you know, if he's reacting to his his own ideas and putting them in there just because, well, it fills a scene or if there's a larger intention, and I still don't know with this one, mm-hmm. which is probably why I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I like to think just because he is Gaspar Noe and we all know his name and he's been validated by so many smart people, I like to think he's incredibly conscious and talented. Just because that shit doesn't happen by mistake, I right. think. Like, you don't become Gaspar Noe if, you don't, if you're not self-aware, I think. So I like... I, I consider him like an auteur, for yeah. sure. Oh, he's sure. absolutely yeah. that, yeah. Okay. No one else is doing what he's doing. Yeah. So, you know, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this does bring us to the to the, to the closer on, on the podcast, which is, you know, what, if anything, and you've sort of hinted at it, uh, of your own work is influenced by, have you stolen or borrowed or mm. just incorporated any of his work into your own? I think, in particular, love is really what I connect to, but I would say um, it's made me unafraid of simple writing, and I don't judge it in a way I used to think that everything smart had to be complex. Mm. And now I find a lot of intelligence in simple storytelling. I'm really curious in continuing to write in simple storytelling and almost fable-like storytelling. Um, it's made me unafraid of simple dialogue. It's made me unafraid. He's made me unafraid of pulp, of like comic comic book storytelling. I find his films always feel like kind of comic books mm. to me. Um, he's he's also made made it feel okay to have characters isolated in space without a shit ton of realistic art design to like isolate characters by way of just a spotlight right and to have that be an okay place for a character to exist in a scene it like he he he's 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 really inspired me in a lot of ways his he's so visceral i find him to be like a very body-based filmmaker and i think there's a lot that we as a society, we need to get back to our bodies and get back to our body intelligence. So I'm very interested in making visceral cinema, and I think he does a great job of that. His use of music, he's not afraid to be on the nose. Like, he's not afraid to, like, swell the music when she says she wants sex with another woman, right. whereas other people might try to find a way that's more subtle and subconscious and, and a little more, like, uh, pretentious, perhaps, to, to, do, to accomplish those things. And, and he's, 
he's he's just really given me permission as a filmmaker in a lot of ways to to keep keep doing all those things so yeah he's 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 one of my favorites and this movie is i'd say top three for me and what are the other two the, I have to ask. of course of course okay let's think uh daisies oh yeah is it one of my favorite films um uh Mauve song i'm a huge daniel event fan so holy motors yep. um okay song what else i think that's kind of all i can oh eraser head would be a big one i think that's it yeah yeah it's a good range yeah just i saw daisies i mean i was i actually daisies is one of those films i saw that when i was too young mm. i was 18 or 19 we were it was first year of york film school and they threw it at us with no context. Uh, we did not yeah. have the best professor for uh, film theory. And it was just dropped on us. And yeah. I definitely did not connect to it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, my, my guard was up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, I think it was in the Criterion Eclipse set, I think, when it was re-released. And that would have been, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, that I actually just watched it again for the right properly for the first time. And it's like, oh, no, there are themes in this film that yeah. I completely missed. That yeah. I just... I dude it out or whatever it was I was too cool for it and I just dismissed it and nope there's there's some really complex like just the idea of staining something or, or, and spilling yeah. something was a reactionary revolutionary act in mm-hmm. that film yeah and similar to Gaspar Noe too like like Daisies is like very much I'm into like collage films that feel like collages mm-hmm. and yeah. films that have different textures and stuff and Daisies and Gaspar Noe like they they're both unafraid to like tint an image to put text on an image to to make a film that's an entire montage like in many ways love feels like a giant montage to me because it's just well the choices of editing yeah absolutely yeah and even those little flicks which we haven't talked about those little flicks in the editing which are just feel like a stitch really it feels like an editing stitch like there's no real intention behind some of them. Yeah, I was wondering what those would feel like in 3D, just because I assume mm-hmm. it's dis- it's even more disorienting to have to reorient your like literally refocus mm-hmm. when that happens. It felt like a blink every time for mm-hmm. me. It felt like a true like the length of them even. Yeah, it feels like a blink or the changing in a viewfinder of like a little um, one of those puppies. Like a viewmaster. Yeah, yeah a viewmaster that's or something. Interesting, especially with the 3D effect. Hmm. Huh. Which speaks to the montage, collage, stitch thing, actually. Yeah, and Daisy's is, I mean, Daisy's was produced during the, the sort of prime Godardian moment where all of those things are influenced, mm-hmm. uh, and they were influencing each other and, and crossing back and forth, so, yeah. Okay, now I want to find out what Gaspar Noé thinks of Daisy's. Yeah. <laughs> see if we can get him on the show. Yeah, seriously. How, Call me yeah, so I can your, come. How's your French? Uh, not good. Yeah, better than mine, I bet. <laughs> My thanks to Grace Glowicki, who co-stars with Katie Boland, friend of the show, in Cardinals, opening this Friday, August 31st at the Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto. She'll be back at Tiff next month in Glitter's Wild Women, screening in Shortcuts Program 8 on September 9th and 15th. Check tiff.net for details. Thanks also to Angie Power. She knows what she did. Grace isn't on Twitter, but you can find her on Instagram at Grace Glowicki, all one word, and you can find Love streaming on Netflix in the U.S. and in various foreign Blu-ray and DVD editions. Amazon Canada has the UK Blu-ray for like 12 bucks and includes the 2D and 3D versions, but you will need a multi-region player. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening.